Hi, everybody, and welcome to Martin Van Dyke Undercovers, produced in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. Veteran British journalist Tony Barrell has a new book that's called Born to Drum, the truth about the world's greatest drummers, from John Bonham and Keith Moon to Sheila E. and Dave Grohl. The pulse of rock and roll, the drummer finally gets its due in this unique, all-encompassing inside look at the history, artists, instruments, and culture of drumming. Well, beating the heck out of a drum kit is certainly hard, sweaty, demanding work. Yet instead of being showered with respect and affection, drummers are often viewed with derision, stereotyped as crazy, borderline nuts, or just plain stupid. But as every musician knows, to have a great band You must have a great drummer. People like Ginger Baker, John Bonham, Keith Moon, Chad Smith, Stuart Copeland, the list goes on and on. Tony Barrell shines this long overdue spotlight on these musicians, offering an exciting look into their world, their art, and their personalities. In my recent interview with Tony Barrell, I asked him if he himself was a drummer or a frustrated drummer. I tried to be a drummer. I was, uh, when I used to go and see bands in my teens, I used to focus on the drummer and think, I really want to be a drummer, you know. Uh, and, uh, and then I, I got onto a kit one day, and, and I was okay with my hands, but I was okay with my feet, but I couldn't combine the two, and I still can't do it. I still can't coordinate. It's more complicated so, than people think. People, and you dispel so many myths, you know, and thank you for doing so, that it's such a, you know, Neanderthal right. in, instrument that requires no skill or, or no brains. Yeah, that, I wanted to d- destroy all that nonsense at the beginning of my book and just get down to the nitty-gritty, you know, sort of what actually does make drummers tick, you know. Tell me about your, your history and what, and, and, and what you do besides writing cool, cool books about drums for a living, <laughs> Tony. Well, I'm mainly a journalist, so I go out and interview, um, you know, all kinds of people, including celebrities. Um, I, I'm, I'm passionate about music, so, so they often end up being musicians. Uh, and, uh, you know, see, that's what I do most of the time. Tell me about how you put this book together. Did you sit down with a, a list of the drummers you felt you needed to talk to or the, 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 the mm. subject areas you wanted to cover? How did, how did you structure putting this book together? I think I did a lot of sleeping. <laughs> if, when I when I get an idea, and it could be for a feature, for you know a, a, a newspaper feature or something, or it could be for um, um, a book, um, I I sort of think, well, is it any good? Let me just sleep on it a bit. And usually I wake up in the morning. I've got a notebook by my bed, and I just scribble down all these furious ideas, you know, f- scribble furiously these ideas that come to me. Uh, and um, and you know, after a few nights, I, I I figure out whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think I think a lot of us underestimate, you know, the the power of dreams and how we can sort things out in our heads and that's that's i slept on it first of all and then i started putting it together by writing lists of uh, of, of names of drummers that i liked i personally liked and drummers that other people liked and then um i i started sending out the emails you know with my heart in my mouth because you know so, so often you'd get a refusal you know this drummer's too busy this drummer isn't interested who the hell are you you know sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. but how many but people did you end up interviewing i ended up interviewing uh, i think it was 38 drummers wow and it was it might have been too many i don't know I, I got to the stage where i thought well oh well i've got another possible drummer interview next week have i done enough you know and um you know some people are going to say well my favorite drummer isn't in there you know and that's going to happen a lot and that's happened to a few people i've spoken to um but, um, you know, if I'd included every single drummer and interviewed, you know, 
uh, you know, 500 dramas or something, then it would have been a huge book, and that's not the book I wanted to do, really. Let's focus on some of the, the top names who you, you, who you did interview for this book. And, oh, man, these are mm. some of my favorite drummers of, of all time, including people like Ginger Baker, who I, I yeah. recently saw, oh, maybe a year or so ago. The man's in terrible health, but still put on an incredible performance with his uh, more jazz-oriented band. And yeah, he's, he's known still, as a pretty fearsome uh, individual it. when, when it, it comes to... mid-70s. So, yeah, mid-70s, he can still do it, can't he? Yeah, yeah. he sure can. What was he like to talk to? He's known as a pretty fearsome guy uh, when, when people interview him. Was he, is, he okay? Yeah, was yeah he... I, was, I was quite nervous when I went to interview him. And uh, it, he actually gave me the idea for the book, really, because um, I was sent to interview him for a newspaper. And uh, um, and I, in the middle of the interview, I thought, wow, I wonder if all drummers are this interesting. Mm. You know, a little light bulb appeared above my head. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but yeah, but going along, you know, he's got a huge reputation uh, for being, you know, a really difficult interview. Uh, and uh, I, I sat there, and I, I, I did, actually didn't get on with him that well to start with. Uh, he was giving me, he was frowning at me uh, when I was asking various, you know, quite innocent questions. Uh, and then I realized that it's because he's very deaf. Oh. You know, the, the drumming has taken its toll. And uh, so I just basically had to raise my voice a bit. And uh, his back was killing him. His back was uh, really hurting him. So he, he uh, lay down on his bed, his hotel bed, uh, well, I stood at the foot of the bed and shouted questions at him. It was a bizarre situation. Um, but um, we got on well, and we talked about all kinds of things, not just drumming, but also, you know, d- drugs. You know, we talked about heroin quite a lot, and we talked about uh, things like poetry and, uh, uh, and, and polo, because he's a, he's a great polo player, or used to be when he was fitter, you know. Uh, used to ride those horses around and, and hit those mallets. Um, but um, yeah, we, we, it, I was very pleasantly surprised. Usually, if you're if you're sort of nervous, very 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 nervous about an interview, I think I find that uh, it goes well. I think the adrenaline must help. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would agree. I would agree. Tell tell me about a few more. I mean, there's so many people you interviewed, but you tell me, yeah. Tony, some of the the people who you were uh, most looking forward to interviewing for your book, and who who delivered in terms of uh, uh, you know the the great interview and told you some revelatory things. Well, Nick Mason of Pink Floyd was great. I, I'm a great Floyd fan. I grew up, you know, with Dark Side of the Moon and all of that when I was young. And um, although he's not a technically, you know, super gifted drummer, I think he's a great sort of almost an orchestral drummer and a really fine, tasteful player. And um, I wanted to interview him, and and I was, you know, very pleasantly um, surprised um, to find out, you know, how incredibly bright he is and how how very funny he is as well. And this sort of set a pattern for me. I found that um, so many drummers are very funny people. Uh, they, they often occupy the role of the comedian in the band. But Nick was, um, was great, and he had some really good philosophies about, um, about drumming. And, and um, when he was being serious, he, he you know, uh, revealed to me that, that drummers you know, um, have a hard time out there because if a band splits up, they can't really operate immediately on their own. You know, the guitarist or the the lead singer can go off and, and have a solo career, but the drummer can't usually. And so the drummer is the person who tries to hold the band together. And that was a real revelation for me when he said that. And then there were other drummers. Um, uh, I was particularly interested in session drummers because they don't get a lot of, um, um, uh, you know, name checks by, by ordinary people. You know, if you walk out in the street and say, oh, my, my favorite drummer is Omar Hakim. You know, people would say, Who, well, who's that? You know, and you just... Re- but Omar has played with um, 
you know, uh, uh, so many people from Madonna to David Bowie to Daft Punk uh, and Weather Report and, and, you know, on and on and on. And he's, he's a fine, very tasteful drummer. And it was great to talk to, to Omar as well. Uh, uh, he was very entertaining and, and very interesting. Yeah, and how about people like uh, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who has some uh, roots here in Michigan? Was he a good guy? Yeah, he's great. He's great, and he took, talked to me about um, how he um, started out playing uh, playing uh, like yogurt cartons with with Lincoln logs. You know, that was his first drum kit, <laughs> and I loved that story. Uh, his dad used to go and buy, you know, go and go to the back of uh, like Baskin and Robbins or something, and and uh, and get these ice cream tubs and 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 yogurt tubs and things, and he used to bash on them with with Lincoln logs, and. Uh, uh, he was very entertaining. I, I, I interviewed him around the time he was doing the big drum off um, on the Jimmy Fallon show with uh, Will Ferrell. Oh yes, yeah. He, yeah, he, was, yeah. he wasn't really looking forward to that. He was a bit worried about what, how that would turn out. You know, obviously it was just a bit of entertainment, and he was worried that Will was going to beat him. You know, which he didn't. He sort of did, but he didn't really. Take us um, into take us into the the chapter. She plays the drums. I'm glad yeah. that you devote a whole chapter to female drummers and percussionists. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I thought I'd, I'd um, in the early chapters, get rid of some of the, the myths about drummers, that they're stupid, that they're mad. And these all apply to men, usually. You don't get people talking about female drummers as if they're mad or stupid or, you know, deranged or something. Um, but uh, it became very clear to me that there are uh, more and more female drummers out there than there ever were. Um, you know, um, since, ever since Meg White sort of popularized, repopularized drumming for women, I think, um, there, there are a whole host of um, female drummers coming along, uh, and uh, you know I, I spoke to as many as I could, and, and you know, people like Patty Schemmel, who's played in Hull, and uh, uh, and people like Shree Sosai, who's a who's a great British um, session drummer, who's, who's played with um, Brian Ferry and, and Mika and Paloma Faith, um, and a lot of other acts, and uh, it was it was great to get the feminine point of view, you know, to, uh, and basically they're they're just like male drummers. They they have the same concerns. They 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 have the same musicianship. You know, it's uh, it's um, it, you know, it's it's no surprise to find that it's a uh, it's a unisex game, really. I really enjoy uh, as you talk about as you write about the the drumming of Meg White and and also Maureen Tucker, Mo Tucker of the Velvet yeah. Underground. I, I really enjoyed your analysis of both of their techniques because uh, to, for people who who don't know all that much about music will listen mm. to them and, and go, oh, they're so primitive. They're not very good at what they do. And mm. I love how you point out you if you had John Bonham in the you know or the equivalent yeah. John Bonham in the Velvets or in the White yeah. Stripes, it would have completely destroyed that band and been wrong. John Bonham, Absolutely. yes, a, a technically great drummer, way technically better than Meg or Mo Tucker, but totally wrong for bands like the White Stripes or the yeah, Velvet Underground. It really is all about the song sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, when I spoke to Phil Collins, he said uh, he had two hats. That he had his John Bonham hat for when he really wanted to show off, and he had his Ringo hat, you know, when he wanted to play the song and play exactly what the song required. And I like that idea that he has two hats. Tell us more about uh, uh, what you write uh, about the history of drumming and how it uh, is such played such an important role in society for all of these many many years. Tony, this is pretty fascinating. Some of the research you did. Yeah, yeah, the history of drumming. Um, well, I, I I was aware, having done a bit of research on the American Civil War, that there 
that there were a lot of drummer boys in, you know, on the Union side and the Confederate side, and they had very, very a lot of work to do. They had to do a lot of um, signalling to the troops and everything. So I, I, I explored a bit of that, and uh, I also looked at the uh, the history of, um, uh, of of tap dancing, how a lot of tap dancers switched to become drummers. You know, Steve Gadd, who's a uh, a very fine session drummer who's played with a whole long list of big names. Um, he started out as a as a child tap dancer, and uh, you know quite a few other uh, jazz drummers started out as tap dancers. There's a big connection between you know working those feet and 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 playing on a drum kit. And also, I was interested in in you know I thought I was I naively thought before I started work on this that somebody some one person somewhere had invented the drum kit. But uh, of course they didn't. It sort of came together, and it came together. You know, it started out as a big percussion se- section in an orchestra or a band, and then it came. You know, it, it, economics and 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 space uh, meant that eventually one person had to play all these things, had to play the bass drum, had to play the snare, uh, the cymbals, and all the other bits and pieces. And and the, the drum kit was born out of necessity. And and there isn't one person who who we can say invented the drum kit. It, it just came together, you know. Fascinating. I, I also love what you write about uh, what what happened after Ringo Starr uh, uh, appeared on stage, appeared on television before millions of us on that uh, incredible yeah. Ed Sullivan show. Would have been a, a great time to have stock in the Ludwig Drum Company, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then they had to double their turnover. Um, you know, within a few years, and 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 uh, they were they were turning out um, so many um, Ludwig drum kits, um, you know, to to satisfy the demand because so many young kids had watched that program and thought, I want to be Ringo, I want to be a drummer. It was like selling snow to the Eskimos, really, you know, because the <laughs> you know, a British band comes over to America and the drum kit is basically an American invention. It, you know, it, it sort of started in New Orleans and other places. But, um, you know, we come over to you and we, we, we sell it back to you. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> it, you know, one of the reasons we have this uh, stereotype about uh, uh, rock drummers in particular, well, two names, Keith Moon and John yeah. Bonham, two incredibly yeah. gifted drummers who were absolutely out of control in their personal lives. This, uh, yeah. It, well, yeah. You know, to, d- dispel this myth or, or support this stereotype about well, drummers. Well, they're, they're in the minority. They're the exception. They're the exceptions, really, rather than the rule. Um, you know, and Dennis Wilson was another one. Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. You know, he lived very fast and uh, lived a fast and crazy life and married, I think, five, four or five or maybe six times. Uh, and um, you know, uh, and uh, th- most drummers are perfectly sane people like you and me. <laughs> and uh, you know, that w- became clear when I interviewed 38 drummers, and and, and I thought there are no, there are hardly any crazy people here. You know, they, they've all got great senses of humour. You know, that that that's fine. And they probably like a, you know, a few of them like a nice drink now and then. But um, they're not crazy. They're not you know, you can't throw a TV out the w- hotel room window anymore anyway, can you? No, really, you know, really. It's a condition. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. I, it seems to be the exception rather than the rule, you know. Um, and uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of drummers who I think. Uh, might be diagnosed with ADHD, you know, who are uh, uh, restless, a little bit um, 
you know, uh, over-energetic, a little bit out of control. And, but that's a great way to channel your ADHD if you're, you're a drummer. You know, just, just get out of your system and, and, and play the drums. You know. um, Keith Moon probably had ADHD and a few other things going on, but he was never diagnosed. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, final, final question, Tony. Uh, who is yeah. your favorite drummer? I mean, just personally, who, who do you love to listen to the most? Um, I think well, the guy we just mentioned. If I ever feel a little bit, you know, bored or or, or in need of cheering up, I put on, you know, uh, "Won't Get Fooled Again" by the Who, and I listen to Keith Moon coming in that sort of galloping drum beat that he plays in that song. I just absolutely adore, and and you know, all over the Who stuff. I, I love his playing. It's just sort of um, just completely carefree. And yet, he makes it sound so easy as well. That's why I love drummers who make it sound, things sound easy, you know. Um, I love listening to Chad Smith. Um, you know, I love listening to Omar Hakim. Um, I really enjoy listening to Phil Collins uh, play in Genesis. And I also love playing, I love, I love he, uh, hearing Mitch Mitchell play uh, with Jimi Hendrix. You know, that was another, he was another great drummer um, that I love. Um, and I like the really technical guys, people like Billy Cobham, um, when he played with Mahavishnu Orchestra and on his own solo records, and and an Australian guy called Virgil Donati, uh, who's an, an absolute genius. Uh, I can go on and on. You know, there are so many out there. Uh, that Paul Thompson, who was the original uh, um, drummer in Roxy Music, I love um, who weren't him. as big in, in the states as, as, as they were here. Oh, but, um, one of my all-time drumming heroes, and I'm so glad you mentioned Paul. I'm a feverish Roxy Music fan. Have oh, been since my that's uh, great to hear. college days. Oh, you, the best. You and Butch Vig, you know, but I spoke to Butch Vig, and he's a huge Paul Thompson fan. Oh, Paul Thompson just so underrated. People just have no idea how important that man was to, to Roxy Music. Such a nice guy, incredibly modest. Uh, uh. Incredibly modest guy. Um, last time I spoke to him, he was playing with some Indian tablas. He was thinking of taking up the tabla, which is you know a fiendish instrument to learn. You know, yeah. but um, I said, do you, do you think you're going to master the tabla? He said, Oh, I don't know, Tony. I'm, I'll you know I'll have a go. You know, um, <laughs> he's incredibly it's incredibly cool and just relaxed. And you know, he, some of these drummers I interviewed don't even seem to, to have much of an ego. Thanks for listening to Martin Bandike Undercovers and our interview with author Tony Barrell about his new book, Born to Drum. This has been a presentation of the Ann Arbor District Library. Yeah!